Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has. Uh, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we get any of those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation, but I get your point. And the home schedule, of course, includes Miami, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, whatever it is, 644-1830, the number to call or, or, or go online, seminoles.com uh, slash tickets, and check out the Dunlap Champions Club. And we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast, and it's without commercial interruption. Is that how we say it? This being Front Row Knowles. Take it away. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ are back with you again. Keith, good to see you. Fresh off the press, you ready? We're going to continue to play Florida in football. <laughs> Did you think that was going away? No, but I found it very interesting that uh, a announcement was made about the continuation of the FSU Florida. I can shed a little light on that. Please do. Turn my headsets up a little bit now because I guess apparently I did get old. I asked you to turn them down and now I can't hear a thing. There I am. There you go. Um, I believe that Florida was pushing to move that game to the week before Thanksgiving, i.e. set up an open week before a conference championship game. Now, it's been done at that a few times, but I think that may be the reason that we have a four-year contract. As I mean, to your point, can we just sign this in perpetuity? I mean, we're going to play them, right? I would think. Although, I will give Derek Satterfield credit. There was a couple of interesting blurbs in here. He did twist it to FSU's favor. And As any sports information exactly. aficionado and, should do. And reminded us of the history. Uh, the Seminoles and Gators are keeping their traditional Thanksgiving weekend slot, having played on the holiday weekend 32 times, including every year since 2005, with FSU holding an edge of 17-14-1. and Florida State has won seven of the last nine games, including a school record four in a row in Gainesville. I like that one. That's good. That's good. To be fair, um, I don't think Florida State has the flexibility to move it to the week before Thanksgiving because of the way the ACC schedules right now. I might be wrong on that, uh, but so I think it would be a bigger conversation. It's not just simply Florida State saying no, we're adamant, keep it here. Right. Uh, that said, it's been there. I'm used to it. I mean, uh, most folks are used to it. There's been times when it was before uh, Thanksgiving I think, weekend. I think I played one time on a Friday the Friday between Thanksgiving Day and Saturday, obviously the day after Thanksgiving. But uh, I agree. I think keeping that as the final game is is something we should do in perpetuity. Uh, I like that big word. I can say that sometimes. It is a little interesting when you see that release, though. Yep. But you know what we don't get excited about in regard to this? For all the conversation about scheduling home and homes, 
we just completely neglect that that is the announcement of a home and home with a power five opponent that florida state plays and unfortunately we don't get credit for it. and florida doesn't get credit for it either and given today's dialogue just as florida state doesn't get credit for the fact that and we've talked about this that they play notre dame basically there's four three or four home and homes with notre dame over the next decade but because that's carved into the acc schedule we don't think of it that way the the georgia series we got all excited about to my knowledge that's the only other one that's coming in the next 12 years or so other than whenever they finalize lsu and fsu but there's not another one on the horizon Florida actually scheduled some, so they will have gone, you know, a half century between leaving the state for non-conference games. But they do have Texas and Colorado coming up. But when you put, no, as you mentioned, when you put Notre Dame back in there, let's say for the next ten years, you got Georgia twice, you got Notre Dame four times, you got Florida every year, you, you got, got LSU, you, you got, got Boise. You're starting, yeah. So you you've rounded nobody, it out. Nobody gives you credit. You, you've rounded. What do you out. think about the kickoff times? Well, the kickoff time, more than the kickoff times, it's the networks that they'll be on, most notably the ACC network, which I knew was, I knew that they would play the Florida State card. And so two out of the first three weeks, Florida State is on the ACC network, which means this, for those of you listening in Tallahassee, that if you're, if you're still conventional and you have cable, I won't call you old school, I'll just say conventional. conventional. If you've got cable in Tallahassee, it's Comcast. And right now Comcast does not have an agreement or the ACC doesn't have an agreement with Comcast. So that will put the pressure on, and that's true not just in Tallahassee, but wherever Comcast is, and I didn't do the homework to figure out where else in Florida Comcast is. But it's leverage. This is the way all these deals are done. It will get uh, worse before it gets better, i.e. there will be comments from Comcast and the other cable carriers talking about how ESPN's holding them hostage and passing on all these extra costs to the consumers. And ESPN will counter by pointing out all the great programming they have and that consumers are at a loss if their cable carrier doesn't. So that's what will happen. And then push will come to shove because we'll get set not even so much for the Louisiana Monroe game because if you're in Tallahassee and you really want to see that game, you can find a ticket and go to the game. But the next week when FSU is in Charlottesville for a 7 or 7.30 game, which will be a big deal. Virginia had a, a pretty good year last year. And they had a good recruiting class. And they uh, have Men, momentum. Mendenhall has, has kind of turned that program around, no and question. It's, it's the only time we're playing in Charlottesville for over a decade. Uh, so you have FSU in Virginia, and that is on the ACC network. So in, uh, if you think about that week leading up, if Comcast has still not signed on, that's when people will really that that's when push will come to shove and there'll be a lot of pressure to get that deal done yeah one other television thing and i find this absolutely amazing the women's softball team do what they have to do at the regional kind of kind of interesting in the last ball game they they got down could have played a third game those games were on big espn thursday game big espn i mean that's that's the number one espn channel and Florida State's softball team is playing in prime time on it. There are some advantages to being the national champion, defending national champion. Well, soft, you're going to see a lot of softball on the ACC network as long as we've started this way because the viewership is strong. The viewership it's a is great, good. It is a great television product. It really, really is. To be frank, college baseball. I don't like you when you're frank. Can you be George? I'm better at being frank than being George. For all the discussions at the major league level or just the discussions in general about how can we speed up the game, we have pitch clocks, we're not going to actually throw four balls, an intentional walk, you're going to go first. The college baseball game 
is too long. We've talked no about question. this. No question. It is too long. It's micromanaged. It is, uh, you know, three and a half hours plus. We've outsmarted ourselves with the technology that once lightning enters the area code, we're in a hiatus for four hours for a storm that never comes, and we have a sun delay more than a rain delay, uh, which is a long way of saying college softball gets it done in two hours, even with the offense, two and a half if you've got a 10-9 game, but it's still uh, more efficient. It's a good product. There, there's offense, in it, especially when you're talking about Florida State. By the way, do, do we even want to talk baseball? Well, we need to. We need to. So let's talk baseball. And our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, will join us next segment. I am of the opinion that Florida State will be in the field even if they lose to NC State on Friday. I hope you're right. I, I think I agree with you. I am but not. It wouldn't be. I mean, in other words, it won't be a stretch. Well, it'll be a little bit of a stretch. But I hope, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I have not done a deep dive on this. And I know what the RPI says, which says they're 55 right now. Based on what happened against Louisville, they could lose to NC State and still move up a few spots in the RPI. If they beat NC State, I think they'd, you know, I'm making this up. I don't know the formula. They'd probably be in 48, 49. If they lose to NC Top State, 50 at least. they might be 52 or 53. The RPI is one measuring stick that the committee will use. And when you look at teams, and I did look at this, though I failed to bring it with me, teams that are ahead of FSU right now in the RPI include Wake Forest, who's just ahead of them. But if you look at Wake Forest's overall record, they have four or five fewer wins. They have fewer conference wins. And FSU and Wake basically split the season series. So I think that's one team that FSU would be ahead of. Another team from the ACC, Clemson, is ahead of FSU in the RPI. Clemson has fewer wins, fewer league wins, and got swept by FSU. So I know what the RPI says, but the eye test would say FSU is going to get in. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. There's another conf- – Virginia. Virginia is ahead of Florida State in the RPI, and FSU won that series. Same thing. Better record overall. So just doing it that way, I think you can probably get FSU past 10 or 12 teams, not all in the ACC, but when you measure it up. Uh, so I do think that they'll be in, but they are very much on the bubble. Well, I read an article or I heard the author of the article, I guess it was, on one of the other – Talk shows earlier this week talking about the fact that FSU's on the bubble, but they're competing against teams that they're better than, which is your point. Even the ones that are slightly above them and certainly those that are slightly behind them, they still fit better. I think my point is the committee will look at conference record, and this is something that could work against Florida, although Florida swept its final regular season They just got ousted, right? It was yesterday? Uh, did they? I didn't even see think, what they did. I think they got ousted. So they're a team that I, I think they're 13 and 17 in conference, and the committee's not keen on putting sub-500 conference marks in there. Florida did finish with a sweep. They swept FSU this year. You no probably question. could make a case no for Florida. But I think when you start looking at the Wakes and the Clemsons and teams that are 14 and 16, 15 and 15 in the league, not as good as 17 and 13. So to me, the measuring stick is going to be – you know, it's overall wins, it's conference mark, it is some head-to-head, it's RPI. You look at all those things and and you go from there. So I do think FSU still has a chance. They're clearly not going to be at home. And I think at this point, any of the projections that had them as a two, those may be gone as yeah, well. Now you're, look, three at now you're looking at one of the uh, the last eight three seeds, right. probably. Right. <clears throat> Pardon me. So 11 has coached his last game at Hauser. That's a definitive I think we can agree on, correct? Say that one more time. 11 
yes. coached his last game at Hauser. Yeah, we just we just had Exhibit A of I was trying to look at the hand signals from our producer Matthew, who's back on the other side of the glass. And are you stealing or are you button? No, I think what he was saying is that Florida did lose yesterday. Is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. So he's confirmed it. And uh, just to reiterate, Florida did lose yesterday, so we've got that confirmed. And by the way, if I said anything incorrect so far this show. Oh, it's still iffy. He always corrects me. Well, we've got plenty of time left, so I have no, I have no doubt. <laughs> and he's very good at no it. No doubt that we'll get there. <laughs> well, again, the scenario, honestly, of Florida State playing another game. First, get in the tournament. Second, win a regional on the road. Third, the regional that you're paired up with has the one-seed upset and probably the two-seed upset – and the three seed doesn't have a facility that can host, and so now <laughs> or doesn't want to. Now you've got FSU against, and right. I don't even know who it is. Mississippi and so State, Florida. Well, Mississippi State has a venue that could host. That's what I mean. Yeah, so they, you're going there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would go there. What I'm saying is, make you know, I, I don't know. FAMU, FAMU somehow wins a regional, and congratulations to Jamie Shoup for winning their tournament. Exceptional year this year. Unfortunately, they will not be playing in the postseason next year. If you read the paper this morning. Um, so that to me, that's the scenario. So to answer your question directly, no, it's not going to happen. Is there a chance? Yeah, there's about a half percent chance. As as Eleven said when he was asked that by Irish Ophel after the last regular season game, uh, it's like Yogi said, it ain't over till it's over. So he's still going to believe that he's got that chance, but we're not going to see it. Understood. There was a great article written by our friend Andrea Adelson uh, on ESPN yesterday about Mike Martin and uh, the premise of it. And FSU fans know this story, but it details his career. He and Carol uh, got married. Their honeymoon was literally coming to FSU because he had a chance to transfer here. So it tells the whole story, and then it ends by saying, uh, you know, the honeymoon never ended, per se, which is which is a way to look at his career. I, I do think, man, I hate to have this conversation now because I hope the streak doesn't end. If it does, Keith, we're looking at the same academic year where the bowl streak, the consecutive winning streaks for football went by the wayside as did the baseball NCA and the 40-win seasons. So we don't, we don't have to dive deep there. We can wait and see how it plays out. But I do think when you look back at the 40-win seasons, that streak actually started two years before 11. So 78 and 79. So it was Hauser and then Woodward? Other way around. Uh, Woody Woodward in 78 and then Hauser in 79. I'm sorry, I was going backwards. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yes. Um, 77 is the last year that they didn't make the tournament and they were 37 and 13. But if you go back to 76 and 75, they won 40 plus those years as well. So really it's happened once since 1975 that they haven't won 40 and in terms of the tournament. And I couldn't, I, I did some digging, but in terms of the next longest streaks for the postseason, if FSU doesn't make it, Cal State Fullerton would move to the head of the class at maybe 24 straight, maybe 25 and I think Rice is after that at 12 or 14. Virginia had a streak, but they lost it last year. Yeah, nobody else is even in double digits in recent memory. In terms of 40-win season. Right. In terms of NCAA, they, they are. But I, I I just think we, you know, it's all the expressions. Absence uh, makes the heart grow fonder. You don't know what you have till it's gone. All that stuff. We don't appreciate it in the moment. We'll complain and be upset that it's gone. But if you truly reflect, it's remarkable. And I don't know who else is going to do it. Your comment on either last show or the show before, and I'll give you kudos for this. I had not thought about it, but when you made the comment about do you want up and down, you know, would you rather have won uh, two national championships in the last 40 years and had eight seasons in which you were below 500? 
Well, you can answer that by just looking at where the football team is right now. Would you rather have the dynasty or would you rather have a couple of national championships and then back-to-back years, including one in which you didn't even go to a bowl? And I think that puts it in perspective. We're always prisoners of the moment. So, I mean, you want to be excellent right now, but uh, you want to win a national title right now. But, I, you know, the 90s and, and what got a lot of us hooked on FSU football, it was before that for you, clearly, because you put your sweat equity into it. Uh, it you were in the conversation every year. Every year it mattered at that time, and it, and it it went on for a decade and a half. So, yep. um, all right, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt, uh is not at the ACC baseball tournament, but he has been following the softball team very closely. Uh, you know, he, Tim's kind of a front runner. All of a sudden, the team's winning championships, and there's Tim. You find him out there at the softball. He reminds me. Remember the uh, from the seventies and the early eighties, the gentleman with the uh, rainbow colored hair. The big Afro rainbow-colored hair that was always on television, regardless of the sporting event, whenever they showed a shot of the crowd. That, that's our Tim Linnefelt. He's just always there. Keith, what I want you to work on is some references from this century and this millennium. <laughs> so we're not always pointing back to the my, 70s and this the 80s. Is my, this is my job. This is where I fit. You're that guy. You took us you back to, when, to guy. when the San Diego chicken was reigning supreme. You just took us back to that era. Let's be a little more modern. That's that's what we're going to work on. I have a place. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt joins us next. Stay with us. No, no. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles. We are getting into important territory, KJ, before we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tomorrow marks 100 days until Florida State football returns. Officially. 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 And Madison Social, because they're on top of such things, will have 100 free drinks to give away to the first 100 people who wear Knoll gear and purchase food uh, at Madison Social tomorrow night. Hmm. So. I'm not sure. Hmm. I, I, uh, sources have indicated that our, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, may be in line at Madison Social already waiting for that. Is but he th- camping? I, but regardless, <laughs> he's on top of things as we're 101 days away from FSU football. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, on the one hand, it feels like that means we're closer. But on the other hand, 101 days is a long damn time, Tim. <laughs> Are there any Dalmatians involved? Is there a dog anywhere? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's, it's a good uh, good place to start. You know, yeah, we're getting close. But yeah, like you said, I think we're getting to like the, the 80s and uh, and 70s or what have you. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it gets a uh, gets a little uh, not uh, not desperate, but uh, you know, it, it, it feels. Short and long at the same time, I think. Well, how do you feel right now, 101 days out, compared to if you go back, think about where we were the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, we were searching for an offensive coordinator. Just in that six-week span, you know, we lost an offensive coordinator. DeAndre Francois moved on. Uh, there was some coaching transition. Recruiting was up in the air. And now, lo and behold, here we are, 101 days out. 
And even though we're still waiting to hear on Jordan Travis and, and Wyatt Rector in terms of their availability this fall, it, it feels like, you know, the sky wasn't quite falling to the degree maybe some thought it was in January and February. Well, I think that's fair. Well, one, you know, I think you, you addressed uh, some of the issues that uh, that you wanted to see addressed uh, first and foremost on the staff. I mean, I think even going back to kind of what we talked about during the spring, um, without having seen the staff, current staff coach a game yet, uh, it's hard for me not to look at, you know, the the offensive coordinator position, the offensive line position, and the wide receiver position and think, you know, you've probably upgraded uh, at every single one of those spots. Uh, and so that, to me, is a really, really good thing. Um, you know, I really like the idea of uh, an offensive coordinator and an offensive line coach who are sort of in lockstep with each other, who have known each other for a long time, and kind of understand each other's language. You know, I think talking to some coaches, that's a sort of an underrated aspect of, of working together is having an offensive coordinator and a line coach who uh, are on the same page. Um, you, know, you didn't have that last year. You couldn't. You know, Greg Fry and, um, and Walt Bell didn't know each other, and so they were kind of, you know, sort of doing it on the fly. Well, that's not going to be the case this time around, uh, you know, between Randy Clements and, and Kendall Browse. Those guys have known each other. I think Randy Clements said he's known Kendall Browse since he was a little kid. So, uh, you know, I, I I think that's a huge reason for optimism to me and, and you know, part of the reasons that as, uh, or as, a hundred, excuse me, as we get closer to uh, 100 days uh, or exactly 100 days and inside of 100 days, that's, uh, that's kind of why I'm optimistic. Similar to mine and Tom's relationship, I've known Tom since he was a little kid. Exactly, and look how well you guys work together. Yeah, that's pretty much true, though, just about. <laughs> I mean, I used to literally carry the water in the bags for Paul Kennedy and Keith Jones back in the day. <laughs> Who, by the way, was just honored with a 30-year uh, achievement award by the, the uh, Suncoast Emmy folks, our, our good friend Paul Kennedy, who's, uh, what, 62 years of age and about 117 in terms of being on air because he's been there forever. He, he has been. Good guy. All right, so uh, anything else you want to add about football, or can we get to the, the real pressing conversation right now about baseball, Tim? Well, we can get to the pressing conversation. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, Monday afternoon there will be the selection show. And unlike just about every year in our lifetimes where we know FSU is in, and we really know because they've already been named as a host the previous day, we're actually going to have to sweat this out, aren't we? <sighs> well... Yeah, probably, you know, um, particularly knowing now that they, they, they can't advance in my final. I, I do think that there was, um, I mean, that is, you know, I wouldn't call that game against NC State meaningless uh, by any means. I think that a, a win over a team of that caliber would, would go a long way towards, you know, boosting the RPI and, and boosting the resume. Um, I don't necessarily, um, I don't necessarily think that they're shut out with a loss, but uh, I don't necessarily want to test that theory either, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. I I said in the first segment, I think they're in regardless, but I'm not, you know, putting my mortgage on that. And right. I, I actually am optimistic that they're going to beat NC State because CJ has pitched so well. That said, it's a Friday night game in the Raleigh Durham area, so it will be five thousand NC Heavily State fans and twenty eight FSU fans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a, it's a challenging uh, situation, and it's one. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Andrea at ESPN wrote the piece on Mike Martin that ran earlier this week was well done, and you know his his quote now is, you know, this is a situation we've never really been in before, and that's you know pretty much true. Uh, it's you know Florida State baseball and Florida State fans aren't used to you know kind of sitting on their uh, sitting on pins and needles during uh, the selection show, but I think that um, I mean they're gonna have reason to watch no matter what uh, at this point, um, even though with, with a win, I still think you know you're you're gonna be 
you know, a little bit nervous. Um, but uh, but you know, I also think that you know, looking around and kind of you know reading some of the the folks that that cover college baseball really closely, and it's not a super strong bubble this year. You know, there's not a you know a lot of teams out there that are vying and have strong cases for those last spots. And, you know, unless it's a situation where there's a lot of you know automatic bids you know, stolen in some of those conference tournaments, you, know, you should be okay. I mean, it probably helps also that Clemson lost yesterday, Florida lost yesterday. Uh, some of the teams that you're sort of vying with for those those last few spots, uh, you know, they're uh, they're not doing anything of significance this week. So you know, maybe that helps as well. Isn't it amazing that all three of us are sitting here and we're 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 sad talking about this? We literally are. We're literally down, depressed because we're not used. To, it's it's it's, un, it's, it's uncharted territory. Yeah, it's foreign. Let me ask you this, Tim. We and T- Keith and I have not spent any time discussing this this year. I don't think. You know, this year's team, if you look at the individual parts, there's some there's some really good parts, whether it's Parrish or CJ or Mendoza or the freshmen who are all very talented. How much do you think the hoopla and the circumstances of 11's last year have affected these guys? Because every time you look up, the opposing team has given 11 a key to the city. And no matter how many times he says, guys, don't worry about me, this is about us, at the end of the day, it has to be in the back of their heads. You think so? I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe. I guess. I. That really hasn't. Um, that hasn't really occurred to me. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it has, but like, I just don't think. Like in the heat of a game in the middle of April or something like that, you know, if you're down by a couple runs in the seventh inning, is, is that what's on your mind? I. I don't know. I maybe that's it, but I have a hard time thinking that it's played too big of a factor but maybe i'm maybe i'm well i don't a little bit i would agree i don't know that in the middle of the game you're thinking about it but this has been going on for six weeks since we started counting up wins you know leading into louisville all the talk is well they got to win at least one it'd be nice to win the series and then it's then it shifts to well they got to win at least one at the acc tournament which means right now for three days they're sitting there thinking we better win. We better not screw this up against NC State. We won't miss the tournament. Or maybe they don't care at all or pay any attention to that. But that just seems like that's the way this has unfolded for the well, last I would count half of the season. That, that's a different argument than 11 retiring. Yeah. I mean, they haven't played well, regardless of who's been the skipper. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm lumping them in together that it, you know, the product of, of some of that pressure has left them in this position. The but biggest yeah. thing, Tim, that surprised me is the, I mean, it's almost like. I hate to say this, but it's almost like the optimism that Coach Taggart had during preseason last year before the Virginia Tech game, the optimism I heard during fall and the early part of spring was this was a very, very talented Florida State baseball team, and maybe, just maybe, and they have really, I don't know if you could classify it as underperformed, but they certainly didn't meet the hype that was kind of boiling underneath. Would you agree with that, Tim? Yeah, probably. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the frustrating thing about it is, you know, I think they have performed up to those stand, to that standard at times, or different aspects of the team have performed up to that standard at times. But you know, for one reason or another, it hasn't all come together. You know, you, we've seen times where they get really good starting pitching performances in the offense. Doesn't uh, doesn't do its part. We've seen them, you know, get a bunch of hits and score a bunch of runs, but the bullpen can't hold on later in the game. You know, for one reason or another, uh, it hasn't been able to, to all come together uh, at one time, and you know, to me, I think that's kind of the the disappointing thing or the frustrating thing. And I'm sure I've been frustrated because you can see the pieces are there. You know, you can see um, the, the the capability is there, but it's just, you know, 
know, hasn't all come together at one time. But I also say that that's kind of the reason that, that maybe if you if you're holding out hope or holding out for some optimism is that if you, you know, can certainly beat NC State on Friday and, and get into the tournament, there's always a chance, you know, when you know that you have the, the requisite pieces, uh, there's always a chance that they do come together as long as you still have games to play. So that's the great thing, in my opinion, about baseball and, and, and basketball as well. I don't think it necessarily applies to football. But, man, if you can catch that lightning, you you can turn things around really, really quickly. Yeah. And, well, uh, I mean, and, that, and that is the optimism. When you see it so much in college baseball, too, like, you know, I remember it not all that long ago that Fresno State, I think, was a four seed in their region and then it went in the College World Series. You know, South Carolina, I always remember uh, uh, 2010, I think it was, when Florida State went to the College World Series and, and South Carolina was out there for the first time in however long. And um, we're at the, uh, the opening ceremonies, um, uh, 11 and uh, South Carolina's coach, I forget his name now, and, he, and he's not the coach anymore. I think he actually is their AD, or at least he was. Tanner. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he went. Uh, they were just kind of you know shooting the breeze before it, and uh, and the South Carolina coach said to eleven, just sort of you know just sort of uh, casually said, you know we're we're not going to be here very long. Like you know he knew that his team wasn't uh, wasn't the national championship caliber. Well, they ended up winning two straight national titles, including that year. So but you just never know. Uh, college baseball is a really really weird sport, um, and and so you know I think Florida State uh, has experienced the the sort of the negative side of, of all those sort of things over the last few months. Um, but there's still you know, the hope that, that it could switch and, and flip to the positive side as well. Always hope. Always hope. You know, thinking yeah. about what I was trying to articulate previously, uh, an expression from an old colleague of mine uh, comes to mind, and that is that we're focused too much on the results and not on the process. Uh, speaking of which, as I segue to softball, it would appear that that's a program that uh, has darn sure got a good grasp on the process because the results are following, and here they are in the Super Regionals again, which is what, every year since six straight years, seven straight years, Tim? Yeah, every year since 2013, I, I believe. So, uh, so yeah, they. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much a real. I think they've won something like 19 straight in the regional, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, they've, uh, they've they pretty much dominate that round, and They've been doing pretty good in the Super Regionals of, of late uh, as well, and, and um, you know this week against Oklahoma State. I mean, I look it's it's a it's a tough you know it's best two out of three, and anything can happen and, and all that. But you know, Florida State is really really good at home, and uh, and at least on paper, I mean, I think they got to be considered a pretty heavy favorite to advance this week. Well, let's hope so, and 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 ultimately, you know how they finish will be the be the measuring stick but i remember saying this the first might have been the first two weeks of the season when they went down to clearwater or wherever that tournament was and they're beating tennessee and national powers and i think i asked you are they really going to be better this year than the team last year that won a title and i feel like you can still pose that same question right now and i understand that unless they win it all we really can't have that conversation but this team one through nine may be better even without jesse in the lineup yeah yeah i mean it could be i mean i think you know in and of itself you know, probably not. I mean, you're talking about like a an all timer, you know, build a statue kind of player. Uh, but this team is really, really good, um, and I think they're they're good in, in sort of different ways. If that makes any sense, you know, they're it's, it's not they don't win exactly the same way as, as last year's team did. But um, I think having you know the presence of Megan King um, in the in the circle there is just huge for them. The the, the year that she's had. Uh, and then you see kind of some newcomers coming along too. I thought the most interesting thing uh, from last week's regional uh in that final was you know they, they were playing south carolina in that in that first game and uh and south carolina needed to beat them twice and megan king for one reason or another 
just didn't have a great outing. She ended up getting chased before the third inning. You know, you're, you're bringing in uh, some less experienced pitching, and uh, and you're going up against a good South Carolina team who has chipped away at your lead, is leading uh, in the fifth inning, and you know a win for South Carolina there kind of felt inevitable. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well it's not a dire situation, but you know, let's say South Carolina goes on and wins this thing, which is at the moment I was thinking of what was going to happen. You get to play uh, an if necessary game, an elimination game, and if Megan King, uh, if for one reason or another she's not right, uh, then you might have a problem, you know. And then all of a sudden this thing could uh, get you know pretty scary. Well, instead of that, you've got a uh, a true freshman who didn't play, wasn't on last year's team, doesn't have that that championship experience or that uh, that experiences in big moments, and she's the one that delivers the uh, the two out two RBI hit. To, uh, to to win that game and, and send FSU to the the super regional, and I thought that was just kind of a cool thing, and you know, really sort of a uh, an indicator of the program that they've built. Because you know, it's not a surprise to me that, that somebody would be able to deliver in a big moment. And, you know, they've got plenty of players who did it last year, but with the game sort of, and it wasn't quite on the line. There was still another inning to go, but in the the high pressure moment. It was somebody who wasn't even on that team who stood up and uh, and delivered. I thought that was kind of cool. My, my my biggest explanation to people about the difference between the eighteen team and the nineteen team is the nineteen team trots more because they hit so <laughs> because many, they hit so many home runs. I think I, I saw and I haven't watched a lot of it. I followed it, but th- that was the first time I was actually watching the game because now's the time when I start paying attention. One through nine in that particular lineup, I think every player had hit a minimum of ten home runs. One through nine. Yeah. That's unheard of. Yeah, I don't know if it's all the way to nine, but it's most of them. Wow. And they, they set a record with the back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs in that game the other day. Well, we wish them good luck. Five. We wish them good luck. And, uh, yeah, they almost had five. Um, I know there'll be a great crowd out there. They sold tickets in record time. Tim, just kind of wrapping up things as we get, you know, we're really wrapping up the the end of the the sports year here just about uh we didn't talk a lot about men's golf they unfortunately just missed out on the ncaa championships for a second straight year the women's team finished in the top 12 for a second straight year and you know we had amy bond on last week she's starting four freshmen in her lineup so that bodes well and then track and field i don't think we've discussed since the indoor season but they've got a record number of qualifiers 20 21 maybe 23 23. wow wow 23 for the women 18 for the men they might need two buses to get over there yeah yeah heading to regionals so um, you know what's 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 realistic. I know the men's team was really hurt in the outdoor season. Um, you know they got some guys qualified late, but they didn't have the outdoor season they expected. But the women sort of came on. What's a realistic expectation of how they can fare at the ultimately at the nationals, which of course depends on how many they get through at the regionals. Yeah, well that's that's kind of the the big part of it. But uh, man, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any reason to think that they can't uh, you know make some make some things happen. I mean they have seemingly a ton of momentum. Um, after the ACC outdoors, I mean, I thought it was kind of you know domination really from uh, from the women, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and you know, you have, when you have time, you have twenty three qualifiers. Uh, I mean, that's you know a lot of opportunities at it, and you know, kind of we'll uh, we'll see. But I think they're really confident in heading over there. I think you know going to Jacksonville probably helps, and that you're not uh, you're not going too far from home or anything like that. Obviously, it's a regional, but uh, it should be plenty comfortable and and you know feeling pretty good after the way things have gone. So. Uh, you know, we'll see, but uh, but I think that they they probably have a lot of reasons for uh, long, excuse me, a lot of reasons to feel confident heading over there. Tim, excellent work as always. I know you'll be out at the Plex this weekend watching the softball team. Yes, sir, we'll be there. By the way, how did you enjoy the Ritz last week? <laughs> you know the uh, the hallway and the uh, the conference rooms uh, looked uh, spectacular. They were great. How was Walter? Was that his name, or was it uh, something else, Keith? What's that? 
Uh, whoever Keith normally uh, uses to handle all his affairs when he was over when he's over there, I can't remember. You know what? He doesn't. Guys like that don't. Uh, they don't stoop to talk to guys like me too often. Uh, well, but guys like us do, Tim. So we appreciate you <laughs> joining us. Our Seminoles dot com insider, Tim Linnefeld, who joined us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. I what, call him Walt. They just so you was know. it Walter? I don't remember what name you threw out there last <laughs> week. You don't remember either. No, I don't. Proof, proof that you're not a regular at the Ritz in Amelia and you don't really have a connection there. No, I've, I've been there several times, but no, I have no connection. That's yes. true. All right. We'll come back, talk about uh, a big event that's coming up on the football horizon that uh, is always well-received. I think last year in particular, which was the inaugural one under Coach Taggart, got really rave reviews. We'll talk to somebody who's in the middle of that. I'm talking about, well, I won't tell you what I'm talking about. You'll have to stay tuned and learn after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. We mentioned that uh, tomorrow marks 100 days until FSU football returns. But we all know, because we talk about it year-round, that it's a 24-7, 365 proposition. And to talk more about that, somebody who is uh, entrenched with the Florida State football program, she is the Assistant Director of Football Operations. Julie Reed joins us. How are you, Julie? I'm good. How are you all? Great. I think, you know, as you know, and there's been a lot of conversation since Coach Taggart arrived, we look at the the on-field coaches and talk about this person's been with Coach Taggart at USF and at Oregon and along the way. But I think many would be surprised to know that you've actually been with uh, with Coach Taggart since, since Western Kentucky. So you've been with him at every stop of the way. How did you get connected with Coach first? And, and we'll start the conversation there. I have. I've been fortunate enough to be uh, along his career. Um, but ironically, I started as an equipment manager in undergrad um, at Western Kentucky. Coach was an assistant coach at the time. Um, I knew nothing about football. Um, I was I was that person. I didn't understand anything at all. Um, looking for something to keep me from being homesick, and um, was a manager in in high school. And so I thought it couldn't be that bad. And um, kind of started my career there, my the spring of my freshman year, and kind of went from there. Uh, did anything and everything I could to learn. Took football coaching in college just to learn the fundamentals of it. And then uh, when coach left to go to Stanford, um, I had stayed finished my degree I moved over to women's basketball uh, was just doing odds and ends things there and when he became our head coach back at our alma mater um, I was fortunate enough to come on his second year um, as his assistant um, stayed in that role uh, moved to South Florida with him uh, stayed in the same role as his assistant and then uh, when we moved the opportunity came for Oregon I kind of asked I wanted to be in a role to where um, I could develop myself and uh, be able to do more with the team. And so he moved me into the assistant director of operations position at Oregon. Um, obviously, there our, our stint was kind of short there before coming here and in the same role here. I absolutely love this role. Um, I get to do so much more with our team, which is kind of nice. Um, and I have a little bit more responsibilities as far as helping the team uh, and our staff. 
Well, I want to drill deeper about it because I feel like the general public may not know in terms of your job duties. So, for example, the very basic football conversation is you're an on, you know, there, there's coaching and there's recruiting. And then I think if you mention academic advising or that sort of thing, people have an idea. Or you mention, uh, you know, team physicians and, and the training room. We get an idea of that. So sure. an, an assistant director of operations uh, by default encompasses everything else I didn't just mention. But but give us an idea of what is the day-to-day and what are some of the other responsibilities that go with the job? Yeah, I kind of call myself the BKS, the best-kept secret, because no one really knows um, what I do, how I do it. They just know it. stuff gets done. Um, so I, I have a lot of, a lot of things. So I, I help with team travel. Uh, I leave a day before the team to make sure upon their arrival, it's a smooth setup for them. Uh, they can grab their keys, go. And, um, I deal with all the headaches beforehand, um, put out all those fires so that when they get there, it's strictly a business trip for them. Um, I deal with all of our player and our staff tickets. So any ticket needs our players need, uh, any ticket needs our staff needs, that all comes to me. Um, I process all the billings, things like that, make sure people um, get paid um, on our end and, and things like that. And then I, I do a lot in the summer. So I have all special events. So I do our banquet, our senior day, uh, summer camp, and then I just kind of fill in day to day. So obviously every day is different. Um, there's not a set schedule that I have every day. Uh, I kind of take things as they come to me and I, and I go with it. And Julie, moving forward, Tom and I are most appreciative of the fact because we do travel with the football team as well and do need keys when we get there. So we appreciate <laughs> moving forward that sweet upgrade that uh, yeah. is in our in our in our future. Yeah, you've got I take, care, I take care of the best. Yeah, you've got a big <laughs> and also us. That's what you didn't add. I was trying to cut her off before it got out. <laughs> Julie, you've got a big event coming up um, that we affectionately refer to as the Women's Clinic, which is is something that that actually I go all the way back to the 70s, and and it was started for other reasons and other things. But it's an opportunity to show the program off, and I'll just I'll leave that an open ended to you. What's it involve? How excited are you about it? Uh, where is it? When is it? And all the good stuff. Sure. This event is my all-time favorite. Obviously, the season, uh, the games are my favorite. Um, but this is something that's close and dear to my heart. Um, this is an event for all women, eighteen uh, years of old, eight years of age and older, um, and it's a way for us to give back um, and kind of allow women to understand the game of football. And I take it to heart because I came in and knew nothing um, and kind of learned it as I went. I kind of lo- know a little bit more now. Um, but it's a way to engage our football coaches um, and also our players and allow them to interact with women and teach them the game. So um, it's this next Saturday, excuse me, uh, June 1st. Uh, registration starts uh, at 8 o'clock. Um, with it, the clinic starting at nine starts, goes all the way to two thirty, and it's a fun filled day. Uh, we don't stop. Uh, so in the morning we'll break down the game of football offensively, defensively, and special teams. Um, there'll be a chance for, um, all of our participants to interact with our players. Um, and then we'll have a player's panel where they can ask them any question that they, that they feel they need to ask or they want to know. Um, and then we'll feed them lunch. So we'll have lunch together. And then the most fun is in the afternoon, we'll actually go out and, and put them through a mini chase um, and allow them to do some drills, some offensive and defensive drills. They could kick a field goal. Um, and our players are actually the ones that are out there teaching uh, women 
these drills. Um, they can throw footballs. They'll be stepping over agile bags, uh, tackling pads, um, just things that you've always wanted to do but may have never been able to be taught or just put your skills to the test. Um, our oldest in the past that I've had has been in our 80s, and she was out there hitting those pads better than I could. So it, it's fun to watch. Um, it's definitely an experience. Um, and our players seem to enjoy it probably more than me. Um, but they, they get out there and they're all in, which is what you like to see. And if folks want to pre-register and get it on their calendar, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, you can go to our website, which is fsufootballcamp.com. Um, and there's a link on there that you can follow. Uh, my information is all on that website. So if they have questions or if anyone has questions, um, it comes straight to me. Um, the cost is $100. That includes your lunch, your T-shirt, uh, and then I have some surprise gifts, but I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> I, I do, I do want to let you elaborate a little bit because these, these women's clinics have existed but last for a number of years, but last year is the first time I remember. Typically, the footage I recall seeing is you're, you're seated in a projection room and there's some X and an Owen going on on the board or it's Q&A. But last year, I saw the video of women that were actually involved on the field, uh, not just on the field, but but hitting, going through the tackling drills with with a vengeance too. I might add, in some cases, they were literally trying to knock our players off their feet. The lineman drills were hilarious. Um, you know, I always tell them, "Give it all you got," and if you can knock them down, that's great. Um, and I told the players to to make them work. Um, you know, a lot of ladies afterwards were like, "Wow, I was sore, but that was the most fun." Um, but then, you know, you, you get out of an event, how much you put into it. And the ladies seemed like they had a ball. The weather actually cooperated, so it wasn't as hot. Um, but they were, they were some, some mean women out there were, that knew the game of football. <laughs> well, why that. didn't you bring them over? We might have could have used them during the year. <laughs> you know, I got to save our secrets. <laughs> we're, we're talking with julie reed assistant director of football operations uh and, and again the women's clinic comes up on on june 1st let, let me go back to something you mentioned earlier and this is kind of getting in the weeds but i think the minutiae is interesting uh, at, at least it is to me to somewhat so you mentioned you handle team travel so would you only be working on the 2019 season right now or do you have to reserve hotels for uh, you know for i guess you can't go too much further out because you don't know the exact dates of games but how far in advance are you handling that type of thing you know, as soon as the season ended, we had already started. So um, we kind of had an idea of where we were going to be playing. Uh, obviously, you don't know dates, uh, but you already start looking. So we, we do site visits. Um, we go and visit each hotel, potential opponent hotels, along with their stadiums. Um, and we know where the buses are going to park, uh, where the team's entering, where they're departing, where they'll meet their parents afterwards, where our tickets are located. Uh, we start that usually uh, middle of March going on those site visits so it there's no dead period it it starts pretty quickly um and when you're traveling a, a big party like that you got to get all your ducks in a row pretty quickly um so it even though the season's over doesn't mean that the next season hasn't already started all right julie we need to self-disclose now i'm a product of the bowden era having played for coach bowden his sweet tooth was chocolate cake and every now and then, rumor had it when we would travel that someone would be responsible for making sure that Coach Bowden secretly, so that no one knew, got his um, chocolate cake. What What's Coach Taggart's go-to item when he's on the road? Uh, Snickers. Snickers. Snickers and probably blow pops are the, the two big uh, requests that he has. 
and I will say they're they are ready to go upon his arrival. <laughs> I love it. Well, <laughs> that means you're doing you're doing your job well. So you mentioned you mentioned tickets as well. And I can't speak for Keith, but I have a general rule when it comes to ticket requests. I am out of the business. If, if you were in my wedding, I'll go to bat for you. If you were at my wedding, I might might make a request. And other than that, there's the ticket office. So, but, but <laughs> it, um, yeah, I'm being a little bit facetious, but not too much. But when you when you talk about supplying tickets to players, how many are ticket? Uh, how many tickets are players allowed to get for each game? Are, are, are provided and then can they get more if some other players are not using kind of what are the rules of the game on that front yeah so compliantly um each player gets four tickets um and you know that's to their duration how they want to use them uh, for their family um, but we have a system that they go in and they request um if a player uh, is particularly not using their tickets for one game they can transfer them to another uh teammate um i do put it on them to do that amongst themselves. Um, I just kind of moderate and then help if they have problems in the system and things like that. Um, and I also hound them on getting them in because uh, we do we do, do a deadline. Um, so I try to say, okay, you've got 24 hours to get them in. Um, you know, you treat them like adults. They got to take care of their business just like they do on the field. Um, but it's, it's a pretty – it's system across the board. Every school is pretty much the same. Um, so every athlete can get four tickets, um, and they just go in and make sure they make sure they put in mom and dad on that list or grandma, um, and then they're ready to go up on their guest arrival on game day. They go to will call and sign off on them, and off they go. Before you came on the air, we jokingly talked about the other duties as assigned. Keith, do you have any other minutia you want to drill into? I got one more, and then we'll we'll let Julie off the hook. <laughs> well, I'm 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 debating whether to share this story with Julie or not because this would be a travel person's worst nightmare. But I'll make a a, a long story very short. Julie, one year, University of Central Florida and Florida State were both playing teams in Louisiana on the same Saturday. So University of Central Florida shows up, flies into New Orleans. The bus company coordinator says, are you the team from Florida? And they went, yes. And they said, let's load them up and go. They took Florida State's buses. When Florida State landed in New Orleans, their buses had already left. That, that's a little bit of a nightmare, I would say. I would probably have a slight panic um, <laughs> if that were to happen. But luckily, that would be Sherrod's duties. Um, our our director of ops that would be that would be his problem at that point. I always say, you know, you always try to put out the fire before the team can can find out, and that's that's kind of my motto. Um, when I get to a hotel before the team arrives, is I always meet with the hotel staff and say, you know, if something is to arise and you know it's not right, it probably isn't, but don't freak out about it because our guys are here on a business trip and they shouldn't worry about the little things. They need to be worrying about getting you know, nourished before they go to sleep and getting a good night rest before the game tomorrow. Uh, the fire should be my, my problem, and I should be putting it out before the team uh, or our coaches even know about it. You know, you can talk about it after the fact, after you're back at home, but once you're there, uh, to keep those things kind of under wraps so that our team can focus on what they're there to do, and I'll focus on the rest. We'll go back to the clinic reference. You want to be like a good offensive lineman. You don't want to even be noticed. <laughs> Because we, 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 we don't pay attention to offensive linemen until they make a mistake. It's true, true. The one thing I always do during the clinic is I, I do the uh, the tackle 
uh, position because at that time I think I need that one for the year, and that's usually my my little go-to, let my aggression out, and off I go. <laughs> All right, here's the last minutiae I was going to ask you about, and it may be that it's Sherrod's duties, but, I, I, you know, fans may not realize that there's quite frequently full officiating crews at practice. So who's booking the refs and, and bringing them in on a regular basis? Yeah, that's that's Sherrod. Um, he kind of knows the practice schedules and when coach wants uh, officials in and out. Um, so he coordinates all of those. Um, I just kind of greet them say hi while they're here uh, but he he coordinates all of that portion and hi good to see you again by the way that wasn't a, a forward pass that was completely legal good to see you right you just kind of dropped you know, that i don't i don't <laughs> see all that stuff because i don't really know 100 percent of the rules but i don't i don't want to give bad karma in case they actually officiate one of our games no i understand completely julie <laughs> thank you for the insight the uh, the fsu uh women's clinic comes up on uh june 1st and you can contact julie she mentioned jread3 at fsu.edu or six four four twenty five twenty seven if you would like to participate uh i would say enjoy the off season but i'm pretty sure it's not really an off season at this point for you so we'll see you in 101 days for football Great. I can't wait. And thank you all so much for having me. Thanks, Julie. You bet. Julie Reed, Assistant Director of Operations. And uh, we did jokingly point out other duties as assigned. Is, we, we all have that. Whatever your line of work, there's always other duties as assigned. But I, I feel like it's probably in bold and larger font on her job description. Well, and, and to embellish, if you will, my comment about her being an offensive lineman, you expect everything that she touches to be done correctly. You do The expectation is 100% correct. And most of the time when something goes wrong, it's not her fault. It's the facilities or it's just right. Whatever. But if you're, if you're in the but, events or travel or logistics she, business, you're going to get blamed. But she has to fix it. Yeah. And so probably a better description of her is she's a firefighter. Yeah. As opposed to an offensive lineman. So, and you, so, you can sense her enthusiasm and how much she enjoys what she does. So, so finish this. Give the long version now of when UCF and FSU both arrived in New Orleans and UCF took the FSU buses. Well, Bill Peterson was the – Okay, director at UCF. Okay. The coordinator of the buses recognized him and thought he was the Florida State coach. So what year was this are we talking about? This is this is uh they resurrected their football program with Gene McDowell in right. the mid eighties okay. to late eighties. So it's this is nineteen ninety plus or minus. Um, maybe a little earlier. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's the game that Florida State played Tulane in the Superdome. In which Tulane played with the illegal quarterback that FSU actually lost the game, but they then had to forfeit. Okay, so that would be more in the 83 to 85. Is there a learn now? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. Think, yeah, it would have been a little bit earlier. Remember, as many years as I have, Tom, they all run together. Well, it wasn't when you were there. No, it was after after my time. After my time. But I so, can just see it happening. I, so two stories, and then we'll go to break here. One, perhaps it's a New Orleans thing because my wife and I got married in New Orleans and our reception was at Jack's Brewery, which if you've been to New Orleans, it's got reception halls. There's multiple reception halls. It's right on the river. Yes, it is right on the river. And so as we showed up from the wedding, the wedding planner uh, or whoever worked at the reception at Jack's Brewery greets us, says hello, brings us upstairs and – Five minutes into it, realizes she's got the wrong bride and groom and just dumps us there. And we have to go back and find the room because we were not the Joneses that she was looking for. We were the blocks. Uh, But the best bus story I have is, and I've told this before, this was with the baseball team. And we were playing North Carolina in Cary because North Carolina Stadium was being renovated. So we were at the USA Fields, which was like in the middle of nowhere. 
Uh, like you couldn't see. Carrie is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So uh, bottom line, uh, FSU's leading, I want to say, 4-3 in the eighth inning. This is when Cardula was playing because I think he committed an error. That's how I remember that. Sorry, Stephen. Anyway, bottom of the eighth, Carolina scores eight runs. FSU had, and this was in both teams are like top five-ish. So a 4-3, looks like you might get a win, goes to a bad Friday night loss. We go back to, you know, we finish up, we go to the team bus, and the bus driver is there. But we're all locked out of the bus because during the game, he had gone to dinner with his wife in Durham and had left the bus keys in her car. So now you have the baseball team not in a great mood, particularly the coaching staff, after what unfolded. And we're all sitting on a hill next to the bus for a good hour and a half waiting for said keys to come back from Durham or wherever she lived to carry to give us the bus keys. I can imagine the colonel and Eleven and everyone else were in festive times. Yes, yes. Okay. Although I belabor at one time, this is your other worst nightmare. Uh, both men's and women's basketball and, and softball and baseball have directors of operations. And they're, they're the Julies and the Sherrods that handle right. everything. We were on a basketball trip. I don't even remember where. We got off the plane, got on a bus. And I noticed we were sitting there for a little bit and nobody was doing anything and Somebody mentioned something, somebody whispered and whatever, and Jacob Ridenauer, the director of basketball operations, says, all right, we're ready to go. And the bus driver goes, where are we going? <laughs> so we're going to, you know, the Marriott. Where's that? How, how do we get there? The bus driver did not know where we were going, and nor once he was told where it was, how to get there. That's a nightmare, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember being with you on a roadie at Providence one year, and the team plane landed late, so it was dark. out. It might have been 10 o'clock. And I swear, uh, we drove around in circles in the city of Providence like 19 times till he located. Maybe it was the same trip, but it was like, look, folks, Big Ben, Parliament, look, folks, there it is again. <laughs> anyway, point being, everybody, stories, we'll come everybody, back. everybody expects it to go perfectly, and when it doesn't, it's a major problem. So, Julie, you, you and Sherrard are now firefighters. There, there you go. We'll come back, wrap up the show after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. And we do appreciate Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fasteners. Tell them that uh, we said hello next time you drop by and visit. Keith, uh, we done talk so long, we don't have much time in this here segment. Well, you know, that sometimes happens when we ain't been around for each other for a while, and now we got to just wrap. Oh, crap, what are we doing? Um, we're trying to be funny. We just need to talk. No, we're no, funny. You were trying to be funny, and it, it didn't. No, you're out. hilarious. It didn't work out well. Um, sort of like this show, <laughs> but Lord willing, we will do it again next week. Maybe better, and and hopefully we will be talking about FSU's postseason uh, destination on baseball, and that the softball team is headed to uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City. All right, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Talk to you again next week. Now listen what I say, oh, oh. when will I know that I really can't